0: Going forward, we're definitely going to keep an eye on rising input costs, supply chain issues and inflationary pressures. And while those may increase profit margins next year, the overall outlook for farmers going into 2022 still remains very positive.
1: Welcome to In the Driver's Seat, a podcast on managing financial risk in your grain operation. Brought to you by ABM. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of In the Driver's Seat. The year is flying by. I'm here once again with Emily and Shelby, and we are preparing to do our last podcast of the year. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone. We're excited to be able to do this. We've had a great time doing it. We hope you as a listener are getting some good information out of this. We've just very much enjoyed it. So, Shelby, I can't believe it's already December. We should probably say that every year, but it's been fun.
2: It's been so fun. We've had a lot of awesome guests, a lot of intelligent guests. And, I mean, to echo what you said, Doug thank you listeners. We could not do this without you. And thank you to our guests today that we'll introduce here shortly. And thanks to all of our past guests too. It's been great learning along the way with all of you. And and I really hope you listeners feel the same too. We've been on a, a long journey together. And if you like what you hear on our
3: podcast, you can follow ADM Farmer Services on Facebook and Twitter. We also encourage you to visit the podcast page on the website to submit any topics you may want to hear about.
1: We do want to take a moment and make sure you know that we're always looking for feedback. So the topics that we choose are typically the response to tips or suggestions that we get. So when we say we're looking for feedback and tips and topics that are valuable to you and your farm operation, we mean it. When we get those, we read them, we listen to them, and we try to craft content around that so that we're delivering on on what you say you want and what you're saying you need versus what we might dream up on our own. So that's worked really well so far, and we would encourage you to continue doing that.
3: Exactly, Doug. And one topic that's always of interest to growers is the market. Everyone wants to know where prices might go next and what factors could influence that direction.
2: So true, Emily. And there are a ton of different factors that go into that, and sometimes it can be really hard to keep up with. You know, this is especially true with the abundant amount of articles radio ads out there or even you know a TV farm market report. So you may hear some words or lingo that you've never heard of that might trip you up or maybe there's things that you've heard of that you've had to google. I definitely know that I'll type something out in my notes and then I'll have to go look it up just to make sure I understood it or you know you can follow up with someone who has some expertise in the industry. So We're excited for today's content. Hopefully, these are words you've heard of or maybe you haven't heard of, but now you know a bell went off or a light went off for you.
3: Exactly, Shelby. I think this year gave us a whole new vocabulary, honestly. I think with the way the market behaved, we learned all sorts of phrases and different terms that we might not have heard for a very long time.
1: It's good to get other perspectives. And so today, we have a special guest who is very versed and very familiar with the workings of the commodity and and grain markets. And we'd like to introduce Jackie Holland, who is the grain market analyst for Farm Futures Magazine. And I think Jackie can give us some welcome input, welcome context, welcome perspective. So Jackie, uh, welcome to In The Driver's Seat Podcast. We're happy to have you.
0: Hi, Doug, Shelby, and Emily. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
1: So, how does this feel? Usually, you're writing things for a living. Now you're speaking on a podcast. This fun for you, a little bit scary, exciting, or
0: I mean, it's definitely a lot faster and more efficient than writing. I'll say that much, <laughs> and it's just so much fun to be able to interact with more people. I love talking about grade markets. And usually, when I'm writing, it's just me in my office. So, I'm really excited to be here with you guys and to be talking with you guys about the markets.
1: Well, let's jump into it. So, I think every single year that I've been around the markets for a long time now, we say, Hey, it's been a really interesting year. Boy, this has sure been not normal. So, there is no normal, in my opinion. But I think this has been. An interesting year like a lot of other ones and it has been different like a lot of the other ones but different in different ways. So I'm curious if you would maybe be willing to share some of your takeaways and some of your summary thoughts about what we've experienced in the markets during 2021 and kind of what's been driving them
0: absolutely i may need more than a minute because there was a lot that happened in the markets this year you know the big theme that underscored a lot of these movements was just the continued pandemic volatility in short we've saw some massive rallies even as much as limit moves and some wild supply dynamics in demand recovery. That really translated into phenomenal price opportunities for farmers this year. Diving a little deeper, we saw tight soybean and corn stocks really kind of dominate market headlines in the first half of the calendar year. US production was able to recover this fall, even though supplies are still tight, but they're not the dire levels we anticipated they would be earlier this year. And on the flip side of that coin, demand for grain remains strong too, both at the domestic and international level. With the new administration taking office this year, we've really kind of seen a push for green energy. In carbon markets. That, in addition, with the uptick in energy costs, especially the second half of this year, has really propped up biofuel production. But on the flip side of the demand coin, exports have also been very strong this year for grain markets. China set new records for corn purchases in the 2021 marketing year. And they're expected to purchase more corn early next year. So that's also going to drive up 21-22 marketing year corn exports. In the first half of this year, soybean exports to China were massive thanks to the tight supplies, the high prices. But also, there were shipping delays for the Brazilian crop that allowed American soy farmers to really capitalize on that Chinese demand when they wouldn't always be able to. Soy exports to China are likely to lag a little bit this year from last year's paces. Prices will remain high, but The shipping delays we saw due to Hurricane Ida and Brazil's crop looks to be back on track this year. That definitely indicates that soy exports are likely to be strong again this year, but maybe not the volumes that we saw last year. Global weather volatility was another major headline this year, played a huge role in the global acreage expansion. We've seen 57 million acres of row crop production come online over the last two years, but that hasn't always been a guarantee that we are going to get good crops as we saw in the wheat markets. Wheat prices rallied this year on spring wheat shortfalls this summer, and lack of supply of high-protein wheat varieties. So that's definitely a huge factor at play. It's going to continue to kind of keep markets on edge until we start to see how this 22 crop plays out.
1: We're going to dive into some of these a little bit deeper, Jackie, but it's fascinating to watch the market work just in the things that you say you know, the market identifies a problem. That's no one person or one entity. It's the combination of everyone. Then it works quickly to solve that problem. But I think there's just a number of problems to solve right now that creates this volatility. And regardless of whether you like prices or not, it's sort of fascinating just to watch the market work and do what it does to, you know, address these various things that you're talking about.
0: Exactly. And even though there has been a lot of volatility, farmers have come out on top of it all. USDA released updated farm financial forecasts last week, and net farm income is up 23% annually thanks to these higher commodity prices. You know, going forward, we're definitely going to keep an eye on rising input costs, supply chain issues, and inflationary pressures. And while those may increase profit margins next year, the overall outlook for farmers going into 22 still remains very positive.
3: Exactly. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how I may or may not read your articles every single morning because you have a great way of writing and I really appreciate how well you put it into well speak that people who aren't as familiar with markets can understand. But I read your recent column, and you've already kind of discussed this, that you're pointing to a potential increase for acres for the years ahead. But could you dive in a little bit deeper into what you think is going to drive
0: those markets in 22? Absolutely. So my team at Farm Futures conducts three surveys every year where we try to get an idea of what farmers are looking to plant and how that progress and yield forecast is looking for them. Well, we're actually in the middle of conducting our survey right now, but the data that I have on hand is from our August survey. In it, we saw that farmers estimate they're going to plant 94 million acres of corn, just shy of 91 million acres of soybeans, 35 million acres of winter wheat, 14 million acres of spring wheat, bringing the total for the three principal crops to 234.8 million acres. That's a 3% increase in acres from 2021 for those three crops. I think it really reflects these high commodity prices and just the abundant optimism that farmers had for production earlier this summer, really before we saw a lot of these input prices really starting to skyrocket and some of the additional market volatility. So for our survey that we're currently conducting, we don't expect to see corn acres and soybean acres maybe be as high as they were forecasted to last summer. The new crop price ratio is clearly favorable for corn acres over soybeans. However, there's a lot more competition from alternate crops, including winter wheat, spring wheat, cotton, that is really going to be a larger factor in the corn and soybean acreage discussion than it was last year. The shrinking livestock herd in the plains, that we saw over the past year, that definitely opens the door to some forage acres being converted into row crop acreage. There's also some very lucrative pricing opportunities for double crop winter wheat soybean rotations for next year. So even if we don't see 94 million acres of corn we're still expecting every acre in the U.S. to be fully utilized to its utmost capacity.
2: That's super interesting. Thanks, Jackie, for setting us up here, giving us a rundown of the current outlook. And I know that market analysis and covering these reports and everything in between is your day job. And you're super familiar with the lingo. So Let's dive into it now that you set the stage for us. We want to have a little fun today, run through words. you know. For example, let's say some price action is reported. We look for reasons you know, why the market moved up, why the market moved down, or maybe somewhere in between. So when we see or hear something, and this is the first phrase that I'm going to cue up to you, but buy the rumor and sell the news or sell the fact. So what exactly does that mean? What the heck is that?
0: So buy the rumor, sell the fact is used when a market falls despite bullish market news or the opposite when the market goes up when there's bearish news afoot. It's used when markets have already traded on information that has not been officially confirmed by data sources, primarily USDA.
1: I think it's what people say, Jackie, when there's no other way to explain what happened in the markets. I'm joking, I'm joking, but sort of not joking. Lots of times it just does the opposite of what you expect. And then a lot of times people will say this, you know, with everything you just threw out there as, as background for why it comes up. But It's comical and also super true.
0: Exactly. Sometimes it's hard to read the tea leaves, especially for those of us who have to do it every day.
2: I feel really official sometimes when I say it. I'm like, yeah, that sounded good.
1: (laughs) Is that your go-to, Shelby? You're like, I don't know what to say, so I'm going to say people are uh, telling the fact today. Yeah. (laughs) I have another one, and I don't know if there's one saying, but... I'll say it this way. People often will say, hey, it must be raining in Chicago. Sun must be shining in Chicago, you know. Well, to kind
0: of piggyback off that, the saying is that rain makes grain. So the joke here is that traders in Chicago see rain outside the exchange and assume it must be falling on the crops as well. We know that, especially last year, you know, that's not quite how RAIN works. But that thing is used when the market falls for no apparent reason. And analysts, not unlike me, are looking for ways to explain the price movements.
3: So another one I've heard is fund buying or selling, but I'm not totally sure what are the funds and how do those influence the
0: markets? So commodity funds are like mutual funds in the stock market, except they hold commodities like corn and soybeans. They're an investment vehicle, and they have a lot of dollars that need to be put to work for their investors. And they do that either by buying or selling commodities and making their returns on those differences. These are also commonly known as speculators. My basic economics class, I remember the kind of gist of having a market was you need a buyer and you need a seller. I mean, not everybody is going to want to buy 5,000 bushels of corn, but when you get some of these investors and speculators in the market, they're willing to buy it and they provide that liquidity that can give farmers the returns they need on their corn sales.
1: That makes sense to me. Hopefully that makes sense for some other people too. I think people throw those terms around. There are people that are new to the market, you know, and there are people who have been around the markets forever. And the people who are speaking to the market are often those veterans. And I think sometimes we inadvertently leave people out of thought processes and conversation by using terms like some of these. So I think this helps everybody get on the same page. So I'm going to talk about fundamentals versus technicals. So fundamentals is something that I know I focus on a lot. ADM focuses on a lot because we are in the business of securing physical supply for processing and for exports. So we pay a lot of attention to the fundamentals, the supply and the demand scenarios that drive markets, all of that stuff. We're also very active, as well as many others are, in the trading or the risk management side. And that highly leverages the technical analysis. People sometimes fall into this category of only looking at fundamentals, and some others fall into this category of only looking at technical analysis. But I happen to think both are important. But let's focus on technical for right now. So people every day in the market are always talking about support and resistance from a technical standpoint from a chart standpoint can you help people understand what is meant by support and resistance how are those levels determined and what do they tell us
0: yeah of course support and resistance refer to price points on a price chart that will bring in more buyers or sellers to the market so for example, say the March 22 corn futures contract rises to a new high, but then it declines for a few days. It then once again begins to rise, but that previous contract high is now considered price resistance because it's likely to bring in sellers who missed the high the first time and want to take advantage of those profit opportunities.
2: thus resisting a new high from being set. Perfect. And next up, let's keep going here. So we've definitely heard the terms gap higher and or gap lower before. So are these also related to those same technical factors, Jackie?
0: Yeah, they absolutely are. When you look at a chart on the screen, uh, that price move appears as a gap in the chart line. So a gap happens in a chart when the market opens dramatically higher or lower and then continues in that direction after it had been trading in a sideways range prior to the move. Many technical traders believe this gap will eventually need to be filled based on the belief that prices always revert back to the mean.
1: Okay, perfect. Are there any others, before I go any further, that are close, near, and dear to you, Hart? that you think are commonly misunderstood. Anything that comes to mind that you want to share with listeners and readers that might help them better understand the market jargon that they see and hear every day?
0: I think a big one that I've used lately in the last couple of weeks with the Omicron variant really kind of roiling markets. We've seen a lot of days where markets have gone lower And then the next day they start to trade a little higher. In a lot of my reports, I've been referring to kind of the willingness of market participants to step back in and engage in markets. I've been referring to that as bargain buying because prices are low. So it becomes more attractive for market players to engage back in the market, which We've seen China take advantage of with all of their daily flash export sales. I think they announced another one this morning. So bargain buying, it's a good sign for grain farmers.
1: I think we could probably do this all day. The ones that we've covered have been really good. I appreciate you offering your perspective. I think my definitions would have been similar, but not exactly the same. So again, what I said earlier, I think it's sometimes hard for people who are new to markets to figure it out. I know it was for me. All of the vernacular, the vocabulary, the acronyms, it, it was crazy. And it took far too long to catch on to some of that. So hopefully, this eases the path for some of you who are out there listening. So I think with that, Jackie, I'm going to just thank all the listeners for tuning in to this last episode of the year for In the Driver's Seat. As mentioned before, we're very pleased that we had you on as a guest we're very happy to have brought this podcast to you this year i think shelby and emily would share that so thank you we wish you the best as we close out this year and the beginning of a new one and thanks again for uh, tuning into in the driver's seat
0: thank you guys thank you for having me and best wishes to all three of you and everybody
2: at adm for a good year next year as well thank you From all of us at In the Driver's Seat, we wish you a joyous holiday and a very happy new year. Thank you all.
1: This has been In the Driver's Seat, brought to you by ABM. To learn more about managing financial risk in your grain operation, talk to your local ABM representative or go to admadvantage.com.